0: today's episode of Juicing the Numbers and Statistics and Sports Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy.
1: Hi, I'm McCormick Hiller.
0: And welcome to the Thursday episode of the show. We're recording this on Wednesday, March 9th, 7 o'clock p.m. here on the East Coast. And while baseball news is still slow, the NFL is putting its foot on the gas as they have made some blockbuster moves. In addition to a few disciplinary action items, as well as smaller roster moves. And, uh, well, we got a lot to get into in terms of just the big stuff. So we'll, uh, I guess, be starting Mayor. And to that effect, right, uh, let's start with Aaron Rodgers, who made headlines and then quickly disappeared from headlines because bigger stuff happened right after him. Uh, he signed a, a big fat deal with the green Bay Packers that made him not just the highest paid uh, player in baseball, baseball, Jesus Christ, highest paid player in NFL history, but also guaranteed him the most money. I, I believe ever Corbin Heller.
1: Um, total non sequitur because you mentioned baseball and because I know we won't have time to get to it. Uh, the passion came in and dropped that two more series are getting canceled.
0: Good. Good. Back Back to our regularly
1: scheduled program.
0: Well, it's also good because it means that the players rejected the most recent proposal as they should have. Um, But anyway, we'll get to there eventually. So Aaron Rodgers New contract will pay him $153 million guaranteed, and it'll be about $200 million altogether over the course of the next four years. And, I mean, that's some impressive shit because Aaron Rodgers is 38.
1: Yeah. We get that he's Aaron Rodgers, but oh, my God, I would be scared shitless of rolling the dice and hoping he just happens to be as immortal as Tom Brady.
0: Well, and that has me wondering a little bit if there's a if Brady has changed the concept of or shown or proved that there is a a way to age in football that there wasn't previously at the quarterback position if the protections in place for hits to the quarterback um, and the focus on, you know, quarterback protection as well as obviously wide receiver protection that makes passing the ball so important and perhaps draws coverage uh, to a certain extent away, you don't see usually nearly as many blitzes nowadays because it's more important to have the pass coverage that, Maybe because Brady was able to do it at, granted, an extremely high level in his final years. If maybe there's a, a new look at what an older quarterback is capable of and capable of not getting hurt uh, as they kind of age into the role. Because we saw, we saw a lot of old quarterbacks these past few years. It's not
1: just Brady. But by all means, Brady is still, still an outlier where I mean, oh, yeah. he was, what, 44 years old? And
0: I think 53.
1: <laughs> it's something that if New England did this with Brady, okay, we would have been like, yo, they're going down with the ship. At some point, Brady's going to die off. Like no one at any point thought, wow, Tom Brady's literally just going to play until he decides he's done playing and is going to go out on top. He went out MVP essentially what runner up. Yeah. I know Aaron Rodgers just won back-to-back MVPs. Um I know that he has been a premier player for so long and he doesn't look like he is incapable of doing this for another 4 years at a somewhat high level but man I mean we've seen it so many times where the decline isn't a slow and gradual grace into the afterlife it is a hard cliff that comes very quickly and if that comes before I don't know the end of the contract and or they make it to a Super Bowl my god that's gonna be a unbelievably awful contract
0: it is also interesting though you know when we talk about the value of money in sports Mm -hmm. you know versus what it gets you in terms of win production or draft capital you know there was a lot of conversation that like we we had on our show when the Texans essentially sold a draft pick to the Browns in exchange for Brock Osweiler God, what a day that was. <laughs> that was a great day. And, you know, honestly, I see this as being the same thing. Like, Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers leaves the team, they have to start rebuilding. We talked about this during the postseason. The Green Bay Packers are built around the idea that Aaron Rodgers will throw the ball 30 to 35 times and carry you to a win. He will have a passer rating of like 115 and throw like 300 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions every fucking Sunday. They are built around that idea. Now, regardless of how stable of a system that is, that Mm -hmm. is realistically how they are currently constructed. And the second Aaron Rodgers leaves that team, they are in for a world of hurt. As we saw when um, he was hurt, what was that? 2017 when he was hurt, and they had uh, that former Browns guy sucking it up DeSean there. Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, that was awful. They were hard. Granted, it was it was years ago, different team. Blah, blah 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 blah. Who gives a shit? I would expect nothing different though. And if you think about it from the Packers' perspective, what? And I'm not saying I have an answer for this, but it certainly seems like this is the math that they did. What's worth more to the franchise? $153 million and potentially four years of playoff appearances. And, you know, all the ticket revenue that's going to come from having him here, all of the uh, additional TV revenue that we'll get for for being on in the postseason, regardless of whether or not we actually win a Super Bowl or not, which Aaron Rodgers has proved he is not very capable of. Um he is still a main draw and us being competitive helps a lot with, I mean, it is the reason that we're able to, to do that. Or is it more valuable for them to let him walk and try to start rebuilding with a significantly smaller payroll? And I mean, they're really showing that the wins are worth more than the money. Now, obviously, you know, I, I'm sure have, have a lot of gripes still, about how Aaron Rodgers has conducted himself the past 12 months, especially, and how he has behaved in regards to COVID protocols and how, how he has conducted himself in in the public forums. He's, uh, and I can't believe it because 24 months ago, I wouldn't have thought this. He's such a fucking asshole, Um, but he he's, he is, as it stands right now, the best quarterback in football. Now that Brady's gone and I mean, if he is the one, if he is a guy who can single-handedly take you to the playoffs, the Packers are saying that it's worth the money.
1: Uh, If I was the Packers, I would sign him to this deal. I would trade Jordan Love immediately for whatever I got.
0: To whom? Because I am curious about this. I want to talk about this. We'll Um, talk about it more in a second, but I I am curious.
1: I feel like there are so many. I mean, we just saw Carson Wentz get traded for two third-round picks, one of which being uh, the possibility of being a second-round pick after he has proven for three straight seasons that he just is incapable of being a franchise quarterback. Jordan Love is a former first-round pick that's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers and has not started a single game. He will have a market for someone. By all means, the Steelers, if they were like, hey, we'll give you a third-round pick for Jordan Love, I would do that in a heartbeat. I genuinely think the Packers would, too. It's not worth anything To them to have him play out another season, leave in free agency, because there's no way in hell he re signs with Green Bay. You might as well get some value from him for him now. And, you know, I get why they drafted him. I would not have made that choice. We've talked about that extensively. But at the end of the day, hey, it was hedging your bet on Aaron Rodgers, maintaining this play level for X amount of years. Wasn't needed. Move on. Get yourself something in return.
0: All right. We'll, we'll visit that more in a moment. But
1: uh, so if you were the Packers, you would
0: sign him to this deal. You would trade yep. Jordan Love.
1: Yep. Franchise tag Devontae Adams. if You can't sign him to a four-year deal
0: which is exactly pretty, what much,
1: pretty much the playbook of what we're doing here and yeah. what we've seen here.
0: Yeah. I mean, Rogers has proven that he can win games regular season anyway, um, with shitty defenses, absent wide receiver cores and bad O-lines. So, Really, if you think about how how stretched this dollar is, it, it's it's quite a fucking stretch. You're, you're getting a hell of a lot of bang for your buck here. So the next follow up step that they did after this is I mean, basically what Corbin said. They have franchise tagged Devonte Adams um, as they, I'm sure, are going to try to figure out their cap situation right now, which uh, I'll, I'll pull up to look at. I'm not sure if it's going to have.
1: I'm currently pulling it up.
0: Yeah, I'm say, I'm not sure if it's gonna have accounted for for this yet. Um but I, I guess we'll see. Uh, uh it looks like it might have yeah, because the Packers yeah, have the uh-huh. most cap. They cap the, the, the Packers, the Cappers are fifty million dollars over the cap.
1: Holy shit.
0: Rogers, <laughs> oh my god. Roger's cap hit. And I, I know it makes sense oh math-wise, but it's still god. wild to see. Rogers cap hit is forty six point six million dollars
1: this upcoming season.
0: Holy
1: fuck. Where do you where do you cut the fat?
0: Uh you cut Randall Cobb five times.
1: Yeah, but like. I, I'm
0: kidding. I have no fucking clue.
1: Randall Cobb would save you, you know nine million, nine and a half. Uh no, because it's it's a 2.7 million. Uh, oh dead the cap. dead cap. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, so it's it like you you 6.8. Could... Well, if you cut Aaron <laughs> Jones and his five million dollar cap hit, you'd only have 13 and a half million in dead cap space. So how about Kenny Clark? There you go. And his 10 million dollar
0: cap hit this season or his 28 million dollar dead cap
1: honestly Adrian Amos is a, a as much as I love the man former Penn Stater that's you know 12 million dollar cap hit 4 million dead cap that's 8 million right there that's that's too much to avoid man Preston Smith to Zedarius there's I mean, probably one of those gonna be- guys is gonna have to go
0: there's probably going to be a lot of cap or or contract restructuring to help spread out. we talked about this on the, on the podcast. The the cap is often avoided by making, there's a few ways, but the most common way that you see is they will restructure a player's deal so that a lot of their salary for at least this, uh, this current season will get turned into a signing bonus, which will then spread out that amount of money that the, that the signing bonus amount into every year of the contract for cap accounting purposes. So if they convert um, Zedarius and I'm, I might be making a little bit of this up, this is very complicated shit, but if they are able to make Zedarius Smith, Smith's like base salary of 14.5 million, if they turn maybe that 14.5 into a signing bonus of some kind, it will spread that across however many years he has left on his contract, which is, oh, shit. <laughs> Fucking never mind. This is the last year of his contract. So that's not happening. <laughs> All right, Preston Smith. How many years have you got left? This is the last year of his. Oh, my God. David Backtiardi,
1: You'd have to sign one of them to an extension.
0: David Bakhtiardi has at least has two more years after this year.
1: And honestly, so, sign him to a two-year extension. Spread that money out.
0: Uh, again, Jair Alexander. Oh, fuck, this is his last year, too. Wow, dude. He's are...
1: only 30 years old. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, you re-sign him immediately. Dude,
0: this is a fascinating situation.
1: So, yeah.
0: I, you know, hey, we'll see. But eh, it's it's wild. And then that brings us, I guess, back to the question of Jordan Love. And people are saying, Jordan Love, what a waste of a pick. Aaron Rodgers was, what, 36 when they drafted him? Yeah, you draft a quarterback when your current quarterback is 36. Wildly unrealistic to expect to to sign him through his age 42 season. Wildly unrealistic to expect that. So fucking shit happens. The pa- the the Packers, the Patriots have drafted many quarterbacks since Tom Brady got drafted in the year two thousand or ninety nine or whatever. Like, it's what sh- it's what you do. It doesn't matter. Um, but in terms of where he goes, what do you think of the Giants?
1: Uh, they've already said they're sticking with Jones.
0: So, I don't know because I also saw a report, and look. I know nothing, but I do know that either this report is fake or uh, Joe Shane, shine, however the fuck you pronounce that dude's last name is an absolute goddamn moron Um, because I saw a report that they're potentially going to chase after Mitch Trubisky.
1: I saw it on ESPN of all places. Huh? One of them's got to win the job, right?
0: I mean, (laughs) you got to you got to admit, though, there'd be actually a kind of interesting quarterback camp between Jordan Love, Mitch Trubisky and Daniel Jones, because at least we would be able to definitively say someone is the best of that group. And honestly, if we're thinking about what the Giants should have to give up to get Jordan Love, because, all right, let me put it this way. If the Giants are not planning on drafting a quarterback, then it would not be the worst thing for the Giants to trade for Jordan Love and then trade back into the draft just a couple of spots from, from using one of their first first round picks to accumulate a bunch of capital that can be spent on other supporting cast players really wouldn't be the worst idea. If you want to sign Mitch Trubisky to at least bring him into camp and have a quarterback competition, that's fine. But you could then, if if they're not planning on drafting a quarterback this year, then they could totally get away with doing a little bit, um, you know, spending, spreading out their picks a little bit more to create a, a, a larger draft pool for themselves. They totally could, especially for other QB needy teams that would likely be interested in potentially, anyway, trading up to get a potential quarterback. Um, plus, I just don't know where the fuck else he goes, man.
1: Because, and that actually brings me to the next thing for the Steelers to trade him just. Well Give us an option that's not, like, Malik Willis would be target for number one for me, then Jordan Love, and then just the rest of the awful draft class, that is. Well,
0: how about this? How, how would you feel if the Steelers instead traded for Derek Carr? Because Derek Carr is uh, also now in a pretty sure. wild position, which is he is now the worst quarterback in his division. But what's crazy is Derek Carr. He's a Carr, good quarterback, also, but he's also a good quarterback. a <laughs> Yeah. And the Steelers are really like a Derek Carr away from not having to falter around 500 nearly as closely as they did.
1: Yeah. I mean, by all means, with the defense we have, with the – we saw what Kansas City was able to do last year and how quickly they were able to turn around an offensive line if you invest in it. The Steelers have cap space. They have a defense. They have key pieces that they need for certain. But all of a sudden, you add a tried-and-true average to above-average quarterback to the mix, and that's a team that will contend for the AFC North. That's a team that's going to go to the playoffs. I mean, Um, you're getting a guy that... Wouldn't be my favorite, but, boy, far from a bad choice.
0: You're getting a guy who pretty consistently throws for 4,000 yards a season, 4,000 plus yards per season. And you're adding him to a team that is wildly notorious for drafting amazing wide receivers. That's a pretty good combination. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should mention, as, as we're bouncing a little bit all over the place, but such is life, that the reason Derek Carr is now the worst quarterback in his division is the Seattle Seahawks have made a trade with the Denver Broncos to send Russell Wilson over to the team. Now, this is the bit of news that ended up blowing Aaron Rodgers' um, massive contract extension clean out the fucking water. But, um, and rightfully so. So I'll, I'll pull up the trade package so we can talk about the the specifics. But I mean... This has been rumored for, I think, the past, not not specifically this trade, but the the possibility of of moving on from Russell Wilson has been rumored or discussed in hypothetical for what feels like the last two or three seasons. Mm -hmm. But it also feels like one of those things that just would never happen. And here it is. So, Corwin, what fucking, what do you think?
1: Um. Man, I am so solidly on the Broncos side of this. Um, I mean, part of me understands why Seattle made the choice that it did. Uh, At the same time, boy, I thought you could have gotten a fair amount more. Um, I mean, two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Don't get me wrong, that's a lot of capital. Russell Wilson, when he's on, which he had an offseason last year, I get that. But, I mean, he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And, I mean, if you're the Broncos, this completely changes the outlook of your team moving forward. You have such a good offense. You have key pieces on defense. You have good defensive players. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be a, you know. A solid defense, you know, leading the league in anything next year, but that offense is so scary. I mean, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, Tim Patrick, uh, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon's still there, I think. You have a good offensive line. Like, okay, you got rid of Noah Fant, who was a very good tight end. Shelby Harris was a good locker room leader, according to – everything I've seen from fans, but he wasn't a defensive tackle that moved the needle. I just, I think Seattle is in a, a tough spot, especially since I fully expect the Broncos to be a very, very good team next year. Um, we'll see.
0: Yeah. People are S- talking West. about the, Oh, we'll get to that part in a second. Yeah. People are talking about the, the, the hall, that the seahawks are getting in return but i I mean we really can't overstate it enough having a top five quarterback in the nfl even if the rest of your roster really kind of sucks is the difference between you being a four-win team and a 14-win team I, i i mean maybe not literally to that quite that extent, but we're talking double digit wins. Like it's, it's a huge, huge fucking difference. And the Broncos, as Corbin just said, are already pretty fucking well positioned. So. So the, the picks Denver is sending over. It is their first and second round picks this season. So that's the number nine and the number 40 pick. So Seattle will be picking in the top 10, which they needed because they traded their first round pick to the Jets for Jamal Adams in what will go down as one of the worst trades in Seahawks franchise history. (laughs) Love it. Um, They'll also receive Denver's 2023 first and second round picks. And they will receive Denver's fifth round pick this year for Seattle's fourth round pick this year so Denver will have an additional fourth round pick no fifth round pick and Seattle will have an additional fifth round pick no fourth round pick in that instance Um, it's it's a lot it's a lot yeah in addition to that Seattle will be receiving Drew Locke who was formerly the quarterback of the Broncos mm-hmm. tight end Noah Fant Defensive lineman, Shelby Harris. Oh, and then that's it. So those three players. Mm-hmm. It's tough to know why Drew Locke's even included in this. Uh,
1: I imagine because the Broncos definitely don't need him or want him, and Seattle needs a quarterback.
0: <laughs> yeah, it very much so feels like, a look, if we can't find anything better, we have yeah. a backup.
1: Yeah, He's a I player. can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Um, Imagine he moved the needle significantly in the value going back and forth. <laughs> we got we gotta have Drew. Honestly, that fourth round pick uh that Seattle got or that Denver got in addition to Russell Wilson was probably Drew Locking thrown in there. Wow,
0: that's interesting. Uh also how hilarious is it that the first offseason that um. Oh, fuck. What's his goddamn name? Hold what? on. Hold on. Hold on.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The first offseason that John Elway is not the GM of the team, they do this.
1: Do you think he's sitting at his desk just like,
0: damn,
1: I never would have thought about that.
0: No, okay. I think I think he's in a boardroom somewhere taking credit for this.
1: <laughs> oh boy,
0: John! Don't forget, it. John Elway, as you and I predicted, he would do promoted himself away from the GM's job because he was sucking so much cock at it. Yep. He is absolutely old white man taking taking credit for this. Mm-hmm. See that classic? I hired that guy who made that decision, so that's 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 on me. I did that essentially. By the transitive property of success, that's my success.
1: I don't, it's too early in this to really start shitting on John Elway because of it. Don't get me wrong, like, I am excited to shit on John Elway, and I'm excited to have that conversation. I just don't know if we're ready for that yet.
0: I'm always ready for for some good, old-fashioned, unwarranted shit talk.
1: I just feel like we still need to revel in the trade itself before we talk massive shit.
0: And so, you know, there's been a really interesting shift these past few seasons in which AFC division is the best. And it's not because one division keeps getting appreciably worse. It's really because they all keep getting better. You know, if you had asked me last season or two seasons ago, it probably would have been the AFC North because Baltimore had gotten good. Cleveland definitely seemed like they were getting good. The Steelers were still up there. Um, and the, the Bengals were a weak link, but three out of four teams being playoff contenders is a pretty fucking great division. Last year, this past season, the AFC South was strong. Not great. Two teams finished with double digit losses, but... The Colts almost made the playoffs, and the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC. And for the past several seasons, the AFC West has been in contention for being the best division because Kansas City has been unstoppable. The Chargers seemed like they really found something with Justin Herbert and were about to be, you know, the next Chiefs. Uh, and the the Raiders still had Derek Carr and a rather, re- relatively competent offense that could help them win a lot of games. With the Broncos being the relatively weak link of that bunch. And forever, the AFC East has had New England being perennially good. The, the Bills had just gotten a lot better because Josh Allen really came into his own. For, for a hot minute there, the Dolphins looked like they could be turning stuff around, and the Jets being the weak link. And every season, it feels like there's been a turnover in which division is going to claim the title being the best division because they keep, it's been an arms race. And that situation has pivoted once again with the AFC West and the Broncos were not horrible last, last season. It's not like the Broncos were the Jets last year, where they scraped together four wins. They they went seven and ten, which like, yeah, it's not fantastic. It's not fucking awful, especially when your Many quarterback injuries. was Drew Locke. Yeah, and a lot of injuries. And now they're adding literal actual Russell Wilson.
1: I wanted to call him an MVP candidate, a perennial MVP candidate. But he's literally never gotten a vote, and there's no way we can even call him that.
0: He's never gotten an MVP vote?
1: Never gotten a single vote.
0: Wait, that's actually insane. Wow. Okay.
1: Damn. i got to look up his uh, quarterback page to confirm. I know I'm right, but, like, I need to be told. Not a single vote. Not a single first-team All-Pro. Nine-time Pro pro Bowler. Four-time... or Sorry, three-time finisher in the top four for Offensive Player of the Year. Finished third for Offensive Rookie of the Year. But just does not have a single accolade that you would expect a guy like Russell Wilson to have. I mean, he brought his team to two Super Bowls, was the face of that team for so long with the Legion of Boom. Is so consistently great and has just never once broken through to the hey I'm the top three at the position any given year
0: it's really hilarious because his best year by quarterback rating uh, is 2015 and the top three in voting that year was Cam Newton who won the award Tom Brady Carson Palmer
1: that was a great year. That was the year that they had um, the uh, – what's the show? All or Nothing. And Carson Palmer with Bruce Arians, Larry Fitzgerald, just lit the world on fire.
0: And uh, what was that is that Patrick Oh, Peters?
1: rookie. Uh, yes. And it was the rookie year for uh, David Johnson. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Remember when he was going to be like this big thing?
0: yeah, I remember I had him in fantasy that year and was like, I'm never letting this man
1: go. <laughs> and literally now offensive he barely rookie of the year, Started five games and scored 12 touchdowns. You know what's really wild? So
0: between Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, both just got, I don't want to say traded off because you know or cut or whatever but both just left the seahawks on the same day
1: mm-hmm.
0: and between the two of them one of them had his has a career mvp vote
1: oh my god
0: and it's not russell wilson
1: oh <laughs> uh, i gotta pull up bobby wagner's picture
0: yeah uh in 2014 bobby wagner received a single MVP vote in the year that Aaron Rodgers won and Russell Wilson never received a vote as we just talked about.
1: He had 140 tackles as a rookie and did not win Defensive Rookie of the Year. (laughs) J.J. Watt. Luke Kuechly.
0: Oh, sorry. Defensive Player of the Year.
1: Yeah. Wow. What a top five for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Luke Kuechly, Bobby Wagner, Casey Hayward, Janoris Jenkins, Levante David. That's some depth there. All of those guys ended up being very good players. Yeah. Man, Offensive this is Rookie of the history. Year voting: RG three, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson. Wow. What a great draft! What a great draft!
0: And it, it's really tough to even estimate what this Broncos team could even be. It, it feels like the potential is so gigantic. But it's also so tough to estimate because it's such a dramatic shift. And it's like when the Rams traded for Stafford, it felt almost like we had a a little bit more of a clear picture of what they were getting and how he was going to slot into that system because we'd seen the Rams be very successful with the players they had, and we knew kind of the degree of an upgrade they were getting with Matt Stafford. And it, it's, it's, it's almost tough to even picture Russell Wilson away from Pete Carroll, let alone in a different league, in a different system, wildly different players. And I don't want to say questions around his ability to perform like he could, you know, like he's some fucking schmuck, but definitely a, a little bit more like Saver was very consistent. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was, a, you know, astonishing, but remarkably consistent in his performance whereas there's been at least a slight amount of, due to injuries, not his own personal ability, uh, more variance in Russell Wilson these past few years. And so it's just so, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what they're able to accomplish.
1: I really want the Steelers to sign Bobby Wagner. I got very distracted by this. He had 170 tackles last year. Sorry.
0: Okay. I, I want to see your reaction when I tell you this. You ready? Okay. Yep. Because this is blowing my mind a little bit. Uh, Russell Wilson mm-hmm. has more seasons under 4,000 yards passing than he does over.
1: How many. How many games is he starting these seasons? So he
0: hasn't he never missed a start up until this past season. He started all 16 games of the season his entire career up until this past season when he started 14.
1: I, I can't. Argue these stats that are presented in front of me, but I know they're wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Russell Wilson threw under 4,000 passing yards his first three seasons, then over for the next two. So that's three over, three under, two over, under 4,000 passing yards for the two seasons that follow that. So it's now five under, two over, two straight 4,000 yard passing seasons. So it's now, um, What did I say? Uh, Five under five, under four over. And then last year he threw under 4,000 passing yards. It's six under four over 10 seasons in the league under half of them. 4,000 passing yards.
1: Holy fuck.
0: Yeah. That's actually, that's really surprising. Now, granted, one of those misses is barely him. In 2017, he had 3,983 passing yards. He's one good pass away from breaking 4,000. But nonetheless, the rest of these are not even close. The rest of these don't even break 3,500 yards. What the fuck? Yeah, which I I guess I've just never looked at this. But it's kind of crazy. I don't like it. Yeah, and and I guess that also builds in a little bit to what I'm saying because there is there is a little bit more variance in Russell Wilson, who I think we can both agree is still a top 5 quarterback regardless of the fact that the yards aren't exactly lining up to our perceptions of him. Um but there is a little bit more variance than what we typically see when we, when we look at these, these types of trades. Like Derek Carr is more consistent than Russell Wilson. I'm not going to say Derek Carr is better than Russell Wilson because that's a whole different conversation. But if we're talking about how to understand the addition of a player to a new team, consistency is really good for, for making those assumptions, which we honestly, I can't say we can really make with Russ. Obviously, it's going to be a plus. Like no one's going to sit here and say, "Well, oh, that's a super trade for the Broncos." I mean, this guy might not even throw four thousand yards. No one's saying that. But it's it's just tough to get an idea of to what extent the addition is going to is going to help when there is this slight amount of variance here.
1: Watch the Raiders just like beat the shit out of the. Broncos next year, and Broncos finished last in the division again.
0: And that's what I'm saying. Like, what do the Raiders do? Like, the Raiders either have to make a big splash or tear down. Like, no matter how good you are, it's it be it would be ridiculous to make the playoffs as the worst team in your division. Which, with the extended postseason that we have, the expanded postseason that we have now, it's, it's it's now possible. There's three wild card teams. Sure, an entire division could make the postseason. But if we're talking about the straight-up likelihood that that happens, because weaker divisions will inherently have weaker opponents that better teams can feast upon, i.e. the second-place team in the NFC East shitting on the Jets, the second-place team in the AFC South shitting on the texans the likelihood of the worst team in the afc west which will have to play all the other very good teams in the afc west the odds of that worst team makes the playoffs is slim to fucking none so it really begs the question of what the fuck do they do i have no idea
1: God, it's just would be absolute cultural (laughs) suicide to just go to the team and just say, all right, we're not good enough to beat these three other teams for the next five years. We're just going to tear down. Yep, pack it in. Half of y'all are getting traded. Some of you are getting cut. Some of you are stuck here forever. Um, Get ready to lose. Hey, guys, guys, just (laughs) look,
0: after the game, just go out on the strip and have a good time. Yeah. No curfew. We're, We're getting rid of curfews. Don't even and worry Rex. about it.
1: Uh, don't go too crazy though. Uh, we joke because he's in prison. Imagine,
0: um, imagine the Raiders like trade for Evan Ingram and are like, we did it, we did something. We're good now. We're like the rest of the guys. We did the trade.
1: And I don't know what the fucking Raiders do. That's tough, man. I don't. They do hire you, John
0: like, Gruden. He'll fix it.
1: It's... I just feel at the end of the day, like you are caps, like no matter how good Derek Carr is, he's not a special quarterback and that's going to cap a team like the Raiders so much.
0: Now it might end up also being in the Raiders best interest to just do whatever they, they, they can do not extend themselves and play through the regular season and see what happens. Because there's also a couple of possibilities by doing that. For one thing, if Russ gets hurt or if the Broncos aren't able to congeal in the way that their front office is, they might be able to do, and there's room for the Raiders to extend them. Like imagine a world in which the the Broncos win 10 games, but the Raiders win 11. It's honestly not that wild of a leap to make, especially because the Raiders just won 10 games. They they could. Who the fuck knows? In which case, hey, you got a chance to make the playoffs and you win for it. There's also the possibility that they play through the season. The team is good. Clearly not good enough for the playoffs. But because they have talent on the roster, they can get more return by trading near the deadline than they could have by trading in the offseason. A possibility. Imagine there's a team that is down a quarterback late in the game and you've got Derek Carr not going anywhere. It might have more, more, more leverage in this situation. It's risky. Like you said, though, you can't just walk into, as the GM of the Raiders, I can't go to the owner. I can't go to Mark Davis and be like, Hey dude, we are not good enough. And uh, I just want to tear down and suck it up for a while. While we just kind of wait this shit storm out for the next three to seven years, you can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, the best scenario there is all right. Let's look at what the Bengals literally just did. Two years they went from first overall pick to the Super Bowl because they got a a historically good quarterback. Um, that's easier said than done. But Much. man, it's yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just thinking about beating Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson. Like the saving grace is Russell Wilson's what thirty six. He's got what five years left max. No way, Probably. Russell Wilson is thirty six.
0: I refuse to believe that man is thirty two at at the eldest. Oh, he's thirty three. Oh my god.
1: Never mind. You have like eight years left of Russell Wilson. Um, that's tough, man. Honestly, that's really tough.
0: When I just went onto Russell Wilson's page and saw that he's been playing for ten years, I was like, "Fuck you, ten years? No, it can't be fucking possible, ten years." I remember your rookie season. I was in college.
1: I watched you play in college. Uh, Russell, we're Russell kind of Wilson's bad. were like really really good for uh, like four straight years.
0: Russell Wilson's um nicknames on pro football reference are hilarious because I did not know three out of four of these. His nicknames are listed as Danger Russ, which I know Whoa. that one's bad. Um, his second nickname listed is the asterisk, which no idea where that came from. Then it's Mr. Unlimited, which again, never heard. Do not know what that could mean. And finally, Robot Russell, which that one I can understand, but I still have never heard it and therefore do not like it.
1: Russell Wilson was what? Drafted 75th overall in the third round to the Seahawks, right? Yes, his his senior season at Wisconsin, a historically run heavy team, the most run heavy run heavy team out of a non you know uh, option pro style team that you can find, thirty one hundred essentially thirty two hundred yards, seventy three percent completion percentage, twelve average air yards per attempt, thirty. 33 touchdowns, four interceptions, and a 191.8 QB rating. Damn. I get that it's college, and those are inflated numbers because it's college. But fuck, man, he
0: was so good. Some say he still is, or maybe.
1: Maybe. Um, Oh, sorry. Same. Yeah right. So much,
0: so much stuff. So I guess we'll we'll leave it. Mm. I guess at that for the time Ugh. being, just because we're now into the oh good god, what happens next phase of that. Um, let's 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 wrap up the the, the trade talk be, with the the one that happened only a few hours ago as we're talking about it, which is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is on the move. Um, as the kids would say, as the Indianapolis Colts are now staring down the barrel of their fifth straight year with a different starting quarterback, court quarterback, quarterback. Um, as the Indianapolis Colts are sending um Carson Wentz over to the Washington Commanders. The total deal is the commanders are receiving Carson Wentz and the Colts 2022 second round pick the Colts are receiving the commander's 2022 second round pick, sorry, third round pick their 2023 third round pick that can become a second. If Carson Wentz plays 70% of the commander's total offensive snaps and the commander's Oh, 2022 second round pick. That's a weird way of putting all this Schefter. Fuck you. Um, That one should have been first, but so honestly, like, like Corbin had alluded to a little bit earlier, kind of a haul for Carson Wentz uh it's tough to tell how that means the commanders view either him or their position within the division um I wonder if this has any tie-in to the idea of maybe like a Tom Brady retiring and how that might affect a wild potential Mm -hmm. wild card not that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a wild card this past season, but maybe they view a general weakening of the NFC and an ability for Washington to have to only barely improve to make the wild card. Corwin Heller, your hand is raised. Uh,
1: Yes. Um, Well, speaking towards um, doing this so that you have a better chance of making the playoffs as a wild card, going to win the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl odds for the Washington Commanders, when we woke up this morning, Uh, was 60 to one. Um, It's currently 75 to one. Oh, Uh, that's the wrong direction.
0: But it it is also interesting because now look, Carson Wentz obviously did not bring the Colts to the playoffs. Yeah, but the Colts did do a lot better than I think I expected anyway. And did almost make the playoffs. Carson Wentz, to his credit, 3,500 yards, more yards than Russell Wilson last season, which I'm only using because, I mean, it's funny. 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, uh, quarterback rating of 94.6, third highest of his career, and uh, 209.6 yards per game, the lowest of his career.
1: Uh. But it's not like he was anywhere close to the – he was an afterthought in that offense. I mean, it was the Justin oh, absolutely. Taylor show. Absolutely. 332 rushes last year, 1,800 rushing yards. Uh, let's Do we have a game log? Can we actually see how many times he ran the ball compared to uh, the the game logs? Yes, 2021. Yes, we're getting there. Uh, carries of 17, 15, 10, 16, 15, 14, 18, 16, 19, 21, 30. 32, 16, 32, 20. So as the season went on, Carson Wentz became more and more of an afterthought. Which, yeah. Um I I would not make this trade if I like I would if I was the Broncos, I would trade for Russell Wilson. If I was Green Bay, I'd make that deal with sign Aaron Rodgers. If I'm the Commanders, I don't know why I would ever want to touch Carson Wentz. It's not a long-term play. Short-term, why are you making a play? And I don't think it's a good short-term play. At this point, you're just throwing away what will inevitably end up being a second and third-round pick. This is tough. I don't love this.
0: And a second, a third, and potentially another second. Or
1: at no, least it's, another third. It's two thirds, with no, the well, caveat one, of him playing seventy percent. It gets bumped up to a second.
0: But there's also a second. They're also they're giving away their twenty twenty two second. I just read the Schefter tweet.
1: I just read it too. Two thirds and the possibility of a second. The, col- they the Colts, a second.
0: Colts get twenty twenty two second round pick, 3rd round pick. 2023 third-round pick that can become a second-round pick if Carson Wentz plays 70% of snaps.
1: The Seahawks just traded DK Metcalf to the Bears.
0: Oh, damn it!
1: Oh, no, damn it's it. a parody account. Fuck you. Oh, You're fuck not you! Real.
0: I want the Jets to get that man.
1: Oh, Schefter. God, why, why have we not learned this, people? Why is Twitter allowing him to not? Oh, because I spelled shifter wrong. i the doofus. Do you forget the C? I forgot the C. Everyone forgets the C. Um, Skefter.
0: Classic Skefter.
1: All right, where's your tweet, dude? Where's your tweet? Uh, no, you're, you're right. He tweeted out. Uh, he deleted the old one. Yeah, I know I'm right, bitch. Look my nuggets. I went to Reddit. I went to Reddit. That's why I got fucked. This shit's old bitch. Futures now That's old man. so much
0: worse. I know. Uh. So the old one of, I, I'm sitting here, I'm spitballing ideas. I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. What if the brain trust that is the Washington Commanders, as we know, one of the smartest and most morally upright teams in football? What if they said to themselves, look, we're embroiled in scandal? We have just changed our name. And logo, you know what we need—a new guy to associate this this franchise with. Because it's a lightning rod. If if we think about it, it's not too far off from what the Rams did with Jared Goff. The Rams moved to LA. They changed their logo. They updated their colors, changed city, and wanted a new face for the franchise. And they dra- they way overdrafted Jared Goff. They
1: didn't, they didn't overdraft him though. In Everyone retrospect. Thought, yeah, in retrospect. <laughs> I'm Carson pulling a straw. I that know that I'm pulling. I know Carson I'm pulling went straws. second in the draft after five, six, seven years, whatever it was. I actually have no idea how old he um, 93. He's only gotten worse. Oh my god.
0: Carson Wentz heading into his age 30 season.
1: Oh Dan Snyder. what are you doing? How are you so bad at running a team?
0: But you know what's fucking you complain wild, about though? not having
1: any money, and this is why you don't have any fucking money. You know,
0: you know what's
1: wild though is that they
0: they could make the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Like they're not that far off. If Carson Wentz they have such a good defense they gives them the so same record <laughs> that he got with the Colts, they would have been tied with in record with the Eagles who did make the playoffs last year, like the NFC. Once you get past the tier one teams sucks, Dick, like it's so bad. Like, and the only reason the Eagles really made the postseason is because the NFC East sucks a fat wad. And most teams finish below 500. If you take away the first place teams in every division in the NFC, one, two, four teams finished over 500, two, four, six, Oh, sorry, two, five, seven, eight teams finished under 500. The NFC blows. Like, obviously, this is an overpay. That I'm sure that when the Colts received this offer, they had to mute the phone because they were laughing so fucking hard. Like I'm sure that when the Colts got the offer, they were like, "Guys, you're never gonna believe it." Everyone, get in here. Uh, Sorry about that, Dan. Can you say that again? That's how I'm imagining the phone call went. Um,
1: Chris Ballard is the best fucking genius football. Like, there's no doubt about it. It Like his only blemish. In the past five years was the Carson Wentz deal. And boy, he he bit the bullet, just looked himself in the mirror and said, You fucked up last year. And boom, got a ton of value back to covers to just hedge. Oh,
0: so I but I I I genuinely would not be surprised if the commanders make the playoffs with Carson Wentz. And therefore, I would not be surprised if that second, third round pick becomes a second round pick.
1: Mm -hmm. Just bananas. Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S.
0: So we've been going for a while. Let's wrap up real quick with the Calvin Ridley stuff. We'll leave MLB talk for another time. Um, So Calvin Ridley is getting suspended for the season for gambling on nfl games including games in which were including falcons games games which he played he was betting on aka pete rose syndrome now this has sparked something of a debate within the nfl community because while obviously what he did is wrong there's a a number of quandaries at play with the decision to levy such a hefty punishment the first one which is the smaller one of 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 these quandaries is that the nfl is trying to promote more gambling and they have just issued a very hefty punishment onto a player who was gambling and obviously i think we can all sit here and say hey Gambling on your own team. Obviously, not the right thing to do. That's very true. However, gambling is still being more and more encouraged, not just by sports leagues, but also by gambling institutions and local governments, local and state governments. Mm -hmm. So it is weird to see such an aggressive punishment for something that we're still rather new to. And while it's obviously wrong, is still kind of a behavior that is gently encouraged to everybody else. Uh, what do you What do you think about it from that perspective?
1: Say so that again the the last part of your sentence.
0: Gen, generally, that it, it it's weird to see such an incredibly heavy penalty. On a behavior that is actively being encouraged by the league, just not for the players themselves.
1: I mean, from an outside perspective and from what you see is that suspension being compared to the much larger, you know, headline (laughs) breakers that were, you know. Ray Rice and Ezekiel Elliott and the countless, you know, domestic violence and off the field suspensions that we've seen in years past where it blows your mind that Ray Rice can knock a woman unconscious on video and get two games.
0: Right. We're getting to to that perspective. Calvin Ridley.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Calvin Ridley can bet on NFL games while not playing for the team, betting on them to win, mind you, and get suspended for a year. It just, it's like, are we taking fucking crazy pills here? But when you dig into it, there's a reason why things directly involving the NFL are punished significantly more stringently, significant, yeah, than off the field's concerns that are by all means under the scope of the U S legal system as fucked up as the U S legal system is. It's not like the NFL is the judge, jury and executioner when it comes to justice of its players. And I think there've been four instances of NFL suspensions for players who have been caught gambling on their teams and gambling on the NFL in general. And each one of them has been a year. So, I mean, the precedent does stand that this is a just uh, suspension. I'm not going to say that and sit here and tell you that I agree with it completely, but this isn't the same boat as what we've gotten worked up over in the past with how bullshit and asinine just random suspensions are. Um, I just, it's not what I'm going to get up in arms about.
0: I, I am going to get up in arms about it because of the next point on this. Uh, so like Corbin said, the, the main point that the NFL cares about here is that this affects money. This affects the perception of money. Um, and I, I'm, I'm guessing, as Corbin said, uh, they there is a perception that the NFL has more control over this aspect than they do the more legal aspects of domestic violence. And uh, in, in such that The NFL does not want its game integrity questioned. That's the biggest thing I would imagine for them. They don't want to have players betting on the outcomes of their own games because it might then lead to players behaving or playing in a certain way to affect the outcomes of the games that they themselves bet on. And it introduces the idea that players could potentially be bought to perform a certain way a la the 1919 Black Sox. You don't, or 1917, whatever year it was. You you don't want that because then your game, which you're trying to push more gambling in, becomes less reliable for gambling because no one can trust the results anymore to be on the level, uh, and your revenue will suffer. You could lose fans. I get it. I get it. Having a severe punishment, understandable. However, things do not happen in a vacuum especially when we're talking about punishments for things, when we're talking about discouraging certain behaviors and the fact that Ray Rice suspended for two games, Adrian Peterson, felony child abuse, six games, Greg Hardy for beating his girlfriend, four games, Ezekiel Elliott, six games, Calvin Ridley, 17 games for using FanDuel. That's, that's their problem. If we want to talk about discouraging behavior, one is clearly worse than the other from a societal perspective that I understand does not affect the NFL's wallet in the same proportionate amounts. But if we're talking about using the powers that you have to encourage or discourage certain behaviors, this, I can't believe it's not top of mind for them. And that's why, if you want to say that gambling should be 17 games, a full season, fucking fine. Gambling's a full season. Who cares? That is now the benchmark for how you should be treating your sexual or your domestic violence um, uh, suspensions. If gambling's going to be one season, domestic violence should be fucking at least two then. One thing is clearly worse than the other.
1: Look, we both would run the NFL so unbelievably differently. I'm
0: I'm screaming into the wind a little bit here. I know.
1: I just, I have no. It's what we end up talking about and bringing up most of the time when we get to a point like this where it's. I don't agree with it. I get why they're doing it. There's nothing we're ever... Not ever. We can't change anything. I fucking hate it, but I kind of just have to accept that those are the parameters in which this is going to be until we force it to be otherwise. And... It's so fucking dumb that it comes down to this. But... I don't expect anything less.
0: It's a sad form of nihilism, uh, jaded indifference that you and I have grown slowly accustomed to. But that's why it's it's worth reminding people that Calvin Ridley is getting a suspension three times the length of your average domestic violence suspension. You could beat a woman's face and get one third of the time suspended from the league. As placing a fifteen hundred dollar bet on FanDuel,
1: just raise the bar, raise the standard,
0: Uh, a little bit, right?
1: Just a little, just a little. little.
0: So, ending on a downer, but hey, suck my balls. uh, Is what it is. We'll talk about baseball stuff later. There's still no CBA. That's the big thing. We'll get into the some of the details that we have when we have some time, but that that's the big thing. Uh, we said we wouldn't hold our breath last week. Good thing we didn't because, hey, look at us. We're still a bunch of assholes holding their dicks, wondering when the fuck this shit's going to gonna actually go through. So we'll pick that up when we have some time. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Josh with Tracy. If you like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until hopefully Monday, y'all have a good one.